You're live with Get Connected. It's Mike Agarbo here. John Beeler's in studio here with me. We are Canada's number one tech radio program. We talk all things tech, and today is an awesome program. We will uh, be talking about keeping the lights on when the power goes out using battery instead of gas generators. We'll also be uh, chatting about virtual reality. Uh, John has come across a really cool new meeting space that allows you to meet in virtual reality with a headset, but also to take your virtual self, your avatar into, I guess, I don't even know what to call those meetings, like virtual meetings with the Zoom and Skype and things like that. Let's call them regular meetings. Regular meetings. Regular video meetings. Yeah, so now using your headset and this new meeting space, you can take your avatar and you can be your avatar in these meetings instead of your boring old real self through your uh, through your webcam. Uh, we will also be chatting about motorcycle batteries. There's going to be more and more electric bikes. More cities are mandating that uh, scooters and motorcycles need to be electric by certain dates. I think in Tokyo, it's 2035. Well, Honda's got a cool new swappable battery bank for e-bikes or electric motorbikes, I should say. And uh, a lot of manufacturers are jumping on board with that. Uh, let's get into some of the tech news as we do uh, in the beginning of the program, uh, John. This is interesting. Uh, we've talked a lot about the chip shortage over the past couple of years. Well, the chip shortage has forced Toyota to temporarily issue uh, like old-fashioned metal keys for new cars in Japan. That is crazy because we also heard like other manufacturers not being able to give you like heated seats and other things like that. But yeah. now your actual key has to be a key as opposed Instead to of like a fob, a fob or, yeah. or even like sometimes it's an app because they don't have the circuitry in the car to, to make it happen, to make it all happen. But I just wonder like, what's the cost afterwards? So let's say you bought one of these cars. I think Ford had a problem with the, you know, climate control, right? Yeah. Or heated seats, right? Yeah. You could buy the car, but they'd install the right chips to make the, the seats work later. Like yeah. how much does that cost them to, you know, get all those cars back in to replace that stuff? Probably a lot. Yeah. But it's also probably cheaper for them to at least give you something so they can get the car off the lot. Yes. Like they're sitting on obviously hundreds of thousands of cars. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Toyota in Japan, this is interesting that again, because of the chip shortage, uh, a lot of their cars weren't going to come with the kind of electric fobs. It's interesting because I got an electric fob with my Kia Soul EV and there actually is a key inside the fob. I know. And I'm like... They, they all seem to have that. I just, you just never know. I just didn't believe it because like, where would I put it? Yeah. But then I found out on my on my door handle, there's actually a very small little slit that you can actually just use your fingernail to pop open and there's the keyhole. What's interesting, and I ran into this problem, John, with my uh, Audi. I had an Audi convertible, which was beautiful. You could pull the key out, and on the driver's side, they had the little keyhole. Yeah. On the passenger side, no. Yeah. And I remember going on a trip down uh, to Vegas in January for the Consumer Electronics Show. And when we came back, um, you know, at the end, I guess there had been a huge snowstorm. And I was down in Bellingham, Washington, uh, across the line, and my car was completely frozen and um i guess the battery was not working it was dead and so i but i thought okay i got the key you know i can get in there and jump start it hell no apparently a week before i'd gone on the trip someone had tried to break into my car and messed up the lock oh my god so uh, because it was only on one side it just wouldn't work 
I couldn't, I couldn't get into the car. It was crazy. How did you get into the car? Well, I phoned roadside assistance. And as you can imagine, um, at two in the morning in Bellingham, Washington, it took a few hours <laughs> to get there. And the, the funny story here is, John, so they finally come. And somehow he was able to break into the trunk of the car because I couldn't get into the trunk of the car. But he got in there and some, I, anyway, somehow got in finally and unlocked it and we jumped the car. But because of all the, um, the security, it just set the alarm off. And I'm like, what, what, what do I do? And he says, well, it'll, it'll turn off in, I think, 25 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm freezing, John. And I just want to get the hell home because it's like three in the morning or four in the morning at this point. And so I was like, okay, I'm just driving. And so I drove from the Bellingham airport to the, the border, which is 20 minutes away. And so my alarm is going on the highway. You take a stolen car across the border. Well, no, it was hilarious because not only is the alarm going, the lights are flashing. I'm just like, oh, please, God, do not let me run into any police, right? But anyway, I make it to the border because, as you imagine, there's no one in January on the roads at four in the morning going from Bellingham to the Canadian border. But then I thought, oh, my God, I, what, how am I going to get across? And so <laughs> I get to, the, get to the, uh, the border, and I pull up to the window there, and the border security guy is just, like, looking at me, and he just, like, puts his hands up, like, what the hell, right? <laughs> and he doesn't even say anything, right? I'm just like, you know, it's been a long freaking night and I had to get, you know, roadside assistance to break into my car. The alarm's going to turn off and in 10 minutes. And you know what? He just looked at me and he waved me through. <laughs> Didn't even ask for any ID or anything. Wow. Yeah. I guess I just looked like... You looked like you'd had a bad day. Yeah. Anyway, so I feel for these people that only get the key now, the Toyota <laughs> people. That was a long story. Let's move on to the next story. Uh, Google can now remove your identifying search results if they're the right kind. So with Google, you can have things removed like from search results that are trademarked, like copyrighted materials. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, up until this point, if there had been search results, John, if someone like wanted to look up your medical records, for example, and somehow heaven forbid, your medical records came up in the search or your home address. Right. You can now apparently go in and have those removed. Obviously, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you just have to sort of prove who you are. Yeah. And that these are personal identifying information. Yeah, so when you look at the search results, when you search for something in Google, like search your name, for example, uh, on the right-hand side, there's typically like the three little dots beside the search result, you can click on that. And from there, you can go in and request to have it removed. Obviously, it's got to be, um, you know, part of this. It has to be some sort of private information. It doesn't happen instantly. Let's just be straight with that. It could take a few days for them to get through it. Which makes sense. Yeah. So uh, this is, I think, great from a privacy perspective because sometimes, you know, you don't want certain pieces of information up there. I mean, they're kind of strict as to what kind of information. Like, for example, if it was real estate listings with your house information in there, that is, they say, part of the greater good. Do you know what I mean? Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, a lot more tech to talk and uh, the world of virtual reality with meeting rooms. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Time to talk a little virtual reality. It's something we're uh, getting more and more immersed in, so to speak, John. I see what you did there. Today, we're going to talk uh, about uh, a new meeting software, 
It's not new. New? It's new to us. New to us. Okay. Yeah. So we've talked about workrooms in um, Facebook's meta world. If you've got their meta headsets, you can uh, use this workroom space. It's kind of like um, Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom, but in virtual reality. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea behind it is that you're actually using the virtual space to sort of set up a, a an office that, you know, if you're comfortable wearing a headset for a long period of time, you could literally use it as an office space. Because you have your computer right in front of you. Well, yeah, but the difference is you actually have the ability to have a larger computer in front of you. A bigger screen and multiple monitors, multiple, virtual. Multiple virtual monitors. That's the key point here. So if you just have one laptop in, let's just say, I mean, I don't imagine anyone actually doing this. You're at a coffee shop, like a real coffee shop. You're at a Starbucks. You have your laptop and you have your VR headset. In theory, you could basically turn off the Starbucks around you and just go into a virtual office space. So you look like a complete nutball with the headset on. True, but as we know, uh, people are starting to come back to their offices now, and so maybe your office is is a little too noisy or a little too much going on, uh, and you don't have a quiet space to go to. You can at least put heads, uh, your this headset on, put on earbuds and basically get rid of all the things in front of you and then have a virtual computer that's actually larger than your laptop screen is capable of. Yeah, and it could be whether you have Windows or Mac. It doesn't matter, yeah. So we've been doing uh, meetings in that virtual space and it's been pretty amazing, John. It's a lot of fun um, at first and then, you know, it actually is productive. It's funny because I did a video about this on YouTube and someone thought that I was a shill for Facebook. I'm like, I wish yeah. <laughs> they would pay me to do that. Um, no, we le just legitimately use it. It's very good for us to be able to be collaborative when we're not in the same physical location. Yeah. Yeah, we have many Facebook complaints. <laughs> so yeah, believe me, we're not getting paid by them by any stretch. But they got this workroom space done right. Well, it, it, it's, it's hard to describe it because what this segment is about is about another product that I actually I've I'd heard about it a little bit but then when the Quest Pro came out which is Meta's new headset that's specifically geared towards more enterprise and designer type people um, and it's got a pretty big price tag but this app Immersed is a, like a whole different take on that idea that Workrooms is. Now I'm going to set the stage for this because Workrooms is pretty minimalistic. There's not a lot of options that you have, but when you're there, it allows you to really focus on what you're doing because you have these big screens, you have the spatial aware uh, spaces that you're in with your coworkers. You can hear them like they're, you know, around the room spatially and you can have a shared uh, whiteboard. You can have, you can share your screen to a shared space. You can bring in people from outside as Zoom or some other kinds of things, uh, which is great. But that's about it. You you can't do things like you can't move the camera around really. All you can do is physically move around the space. And this other app, Immersed, was announced or brought to my attention in a blog post about all the cool things you can do with the new Quest Pro. And I'm like, well, let's give this a try. So Robin, our colleague, and I, we set it all up. Uh, and I have to say, it's really hard to go back to workrooms. So this is, again, like a, a, a meeting piece of software for the virtual world. You have your own avatar, kind of a cartoon version of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same one that you create in the the meta um, software. Yes. Like outside of these applications and games. So what caught my 
I, and you guys have been doing this for a little while, yeah. a couple of weeks, and I just haven't had time to get back into the virtual meetings with you. But today we had a company-wide meeting. It was like a, a Teams meeting, like a Zoom meeting. So everyone's on camera and Robin came in and he was his avatar. And I'm like, how the hell did he do that? Well, this is the really cool feature that Immersed has that I think might convince a lot of people to get a headset. Essentially what it does is it allows you to go into your virtual office space. You have the ability to create a big room. You can have a solo room or you can have a collaborative room, whichever you like. And in Immersed, you actually have the ability to have up to five screens. You get three by default, but the other two can be uh, added on as a part of a subscription. It's free to use unless you subscribe, then you get some more features. But what Robin did, and something that uh, I thought was really cool, is you have the ability to create a virtual webcam in this virtual workspace. And it literally looks like a little tennis ball. You put it in front of you wherever you want. Virtually. Virtually. It kind of looks like the ball that uh, Luke Skywalker is sort of fighting with his lightsaber in Star Wars. Okay. So you just put it wherever you want. And the nice thing is you just use your hand and you just like click onto it and then you can just drag it around. You can literally make it like a selfie cam. You can put it really far so you have a big wide shot of the environment you're in. Whatever or close you, up, whatever you want. Whatever you want. But the really interesting thing is that it exposes that to your computer because you're using your computer in the virtual reality space and it actually has a piece of software that you have to install on your Mac or PC that tells the VR what to bring into that world. But it also puts something back in that world, which is the really cool part. It actually creates a virtual webcam source for things like Zoom, Skype, Teams, whatever you want. Yeah. So then Robin was able to join the meeting today as his, from like within VR. Yeah, he outcooled everyone. Yeah. Yeah, like the Paul who came after him, you yeah. know, cause we're you know, going around. Uh, he said, you know what? I, I hate this. I have to follow the avatar now. Well, I'm a little bummed because it was actually my idea to use this tool. And he's like, oh, no, let me check it it's, out. No, it's Robin's idea now. And now he stole my thunder. <laughs> yes. But it was super cool because his avatar had all his facial ex, you know, ex expressions, could move his hands around. He's blinking. His mouth is moving as he's talking. It just looks like a cartoon version of him. Obviously, you can create whatever avatar you want. You can. Yeah. Like in my avatar, I have hair. <laughs> and you're it's glorious. Yes. yes. So the... The, the interesting thing about it is that you do get all of those sort of uh, uh, personality traits. They all translate. It's using like a, a voice recognizer thing to move the mouth. You have your hand gestures and you can still continue to use your computer because you're essentially looking at this meeting through your, com your virtual computer. But it's not perfect. And this is my only sort of gripe be be because... The Meta Workrooms feels like an Apple product in comparison to to Immersed. Yeah, it just it it works easier. Yeah, it just Immersed just isn't quite as polished, but it has more features. It has some really cool functionality, and um, there's been a few updates just in the in the short time that we've been using it. So clearly they're 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 looking at ways to make it better. But like some of the you know really annoying things is that with Workrooms. You can literally put your controllers away and just focus on your laptop or your keyboard. Yeah, because and, you can use that virtually in the VR world and, and you, use your physical keyboard. And you can actually see your hands and your keyboard in VR yeah. using that. So it's a really seamless thing. Immerse does the same thing, but I found that, and Robin as well, has found that certain elements of the user interface within Immerse really don't like hand gestures. Yeah. You have to use a controller. 
Yeah, that doesn't make it as seamless. No, because you have to pick up your controllers, you know, and you're sort of fumbling around on your desk or your couch or wherever you're using the VR headset to find the controllers so that you can like close something or turn something off or mute something. So we're talking about this new uh, meeting space. Uh, it's uh, called Immersed. It's available through the Meta headsets, which is Facebook's headsets. Yeah. So you're going to have to have one of their headsets to make this all work. Yes. And a computer. And a computer. And a computer. Yeah. But, you know, it is amazing, John. I, I can't wait to get in there myself because I'm going to pop into other people's Zoom and team meetings well, the next as th my avatar. It's going to blow their mind. I mean, you kind of have the ability in like Zoom and other products to to have like a virtual avatar as well. But this is just takes that to the next level because it's, it's better. Yeah, it's yeah. way better. And, you know, you don't have to wash your hair before you show up for, for camera. Exactly. You are tuned in to Get Connected. We're all things tech on our program, Canada's number one tech program. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about power and battery power taking up to, uh, I guess, the top. I had a recent power outage, and I had this giant battery that kind of helped me uh, get through like uh, a night without power, and we'll tell you all about it. Listen to Get Connected here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing more power outages, John, with the climate change happening. There seems to be more storms. In my neighborhood in South Surrey, uh, here in British Columbia, there's a lot of trees. Yes. And trees and power lines don't mix. No. Weirdly, I think the same day you had your power outage is the same day that I had trouble getting to the office because, and I didn't even think this was a thing, a power line fell onto the highway. Oh, my God. And basically, the highway was closed for hours. Yeah, because that's deadly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was interesting, John, because we had just almost finished cooking dinner. Like I had uh, my father-in-law over and, you know, we I had, bar thank God I had already barbecued the steak, but I was still air frying the potatoes and they were just only half done. And then the power went out and I'm just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But I remembered because I'm a nerdy guy and we're testing these things out all the time. Uh, a lot of my kind of uh, garden tools now are, are electric. They're powered by batteries. So I went with uh, the Ego ecosystem. That's yes. E-G-O. So they make like lawnmowers that are battery powered. And the cool thing is these giant batteries, they will work in all their different tools they have, like snow blowers, leaf blowers, weed whackers, chainsaws. It's really quite amazing. So I've got kind of like that whole ecosystem. And it's great because you can swap these batteries in and out of the different tools. Kind of like those like, you know, drills and stuff like that. People exactly. Have. Like Ryobi and Ryobi has a similar kind of stuff. Makita well. and DeWalt. Milwaukee and, and yeah, all those guys. Yeah. But uh, what's cool is uh, Eagle also came out with the Nexus power station. So this is like this giant, uh, looks like a generator, but like from back to the future. No, it looks like those containment units from Ghostbusters. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> About the size of that as well uh, and weighs a ton. But you can stick four of these giant batteries in there, like from your lawnmower and stuff. And the cool thing is it's, it's like a backup generator. Not a generator, but like a it's, giant battery. It's powered by ghosts. Come it's on. powered by ghosts. <laughs> uh, so it was super cool, John, because I was able to take this thing and run... Uh, a power cord from it. It was in the garage and thank God I'd been charging it properly and ran, you know, the power cord out into the kitchen and, you know, had a little power bar. I could plug in my air fryer and 
let's be real here. Like if you're plugging in things like air fryers and microwaves and hair dryers, it's going to wear the batteries down fast. Yeah. Right. I think, uh, you know, if I just hooked up like my, my fridge or maybe some cell phones and stuff, this thing would have gone for like all day. Your fridge even, you think? Eh? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Anyway, but I put the air fryer on and it gives you like a little timer on the front panel. And, you know, I think I had like 12 hours because I was just powering a couple lights. Uh, that went down to half an hour <laughs> once I started using the air fryer. But the cool thing is I only needed to use it for about four minutes and well, that finished my potatoes. Well, well, good thing it wasn't like a four-day outage though. Well, thank God, right? But no, it lasted like several hours. But yeah. so anyway, it was cool. We uh, finished dinner, you know, I had a few lights on and then, uh, you know, my father-in-law left and we're like, oh, you know, it'd be great. And, you know, we wanted to watch a movie that night. And so I have like a, you know, a, a giant projector screen in my family room and, you know, like a nice projector and that's not going to work, right? Like there's too much to plug in there. So what I did is I, I, you know, I got the screen down and I had one of those little portable Asus projectors. That's where that went. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and luckily I had downloaded a bunch of movies onto my iPad cause I just come, you know, back from a trip. And that's what I typically do. I, I download a bunch of movies on the iPad. You can do that with Netflix and stuff as well, right? So that even if you don't have a, a Wi-Fi connection, you've, you've got them locally. So I plugged that thing in and, and the iPad. And I got to tell you, that, that tiny little projector, it was amazing, John. And it, it said that I could have gone for another 12 hours, 15 hours with that thing. Well, that, that projector is like an LED projector. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. So it's not using a lot of energy. No. So I had that plugged in. Everyone's, you know, my kids were home and they had their, you know, laptop plugged in and they had their phones plugged into it as well. But it was a godsend. And, you know, then I didn't have to worry about a gas generator. Right. Which is good. The only problem is like with a gas generator, at least you can put more gas in it. Yeah. You can't recharge that battery. No, I have a solar kit for it. But then obviously that doesn't work at night. And it works better in the sun and it takes a while to recharge all those batteries. Yeah. The winter in, in BC is just rain. So. <laughs> so like I haven't tried the solar thing yet, but I'm, I'm fascinated to see how well that uh, works, but I'm seeing more and more of these kind of, you know, kind of little battery stations, yeah. you know, they're not as big as this, uh, this ego Nexus power station that I, I've got. Um, but I just wonder how long those little ones are going to last. Like you're not going to plug in. No, a lot but, of appliances to that. No, but if you needed to keep your phone charged or something like that, so you can at least be in contact with any, somebody else. The the big thing is I think a lot of people probably don't have the same requirements as keeping a projector and their potatoes air fried and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was a little crazy. Oh, you know what else drains the, the hell out of it? Uh, just the kettle. Really? Oh my God, yeah. Because hmm. the timer went from like, you know, 12 hours and it was like, I think I had two hours left if I just kept boiling the kettle for that long. Luckily, it only takes a few minutes and then. I'm surprised you didn't plug in your Roomba or something too. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. The Roomba likes Wi-Fi connections. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm just, yeah, for the future, I'm just thinking like, I got to find a way to make it easy to plug my Wi-Fi router in so that I could keep having internet. Well, you probably wouldn't have internet though. Why? Well, an ADSL, like a DSL connection? Depends. I don't know. Because I don't know exactly how these things are configured. But, but what about coax? Like that's like, different. That's different. Yeah. Is there? Do I need power from that? 
Well, the thing is what, what matters, at least with the, with the DSL connection or the TELUS connection that we're talking about, um, the little box that's in your neighborhood somewhere has to have power. This is true. Yeah. Because that, if that doesn't have power, everything's dead. Yeah. Pretty much. But there's a good chance you might have cellular connectivity. Although cellular yeah. is not great in your neighborhood anyways. No, more typically pick up the U.S. signals than yeah. than uh, anything. Anyway, it was just nice to have it. And something, you know, definitely to look at, there's like a lot of these different types of batteries or giant batteries or battery banks now that you can use to, to power things well. Well, the nice thing with the yours, though, is that you can use it for other things. You're not waiting for a power outage. No. Right? Well, that's the, the cool thing, right? Because I, God, I use that leaf blower all the freaking time. And I, it's my favorite thing. And I don't have to worry about gas anymore. And I got the uh, the weed trimmer as well. Don't have to worry about gas anymore. And it's quieter. Yeah, because I just, you know what, John? I get gas everywhere. And I forget to take the, like, apparently gas doesn't last that long. Like, True. Yeah. Because I have a gas generator, but I think the gas has been in that thing for about eight years now. My gut tells me it's never going to start again. <laughs> from what I understand. We're going to have to take a break here on Get Connected. When we come back, we're going to talk more batteries, but motorcycle batteries. Han is doing something uh, pretty cool over in Japan. Will it take off here in North America? Hot swappable uh, batteries for electric bikes. Come back after the break. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Talking batteries, a lot of batteries this uh, this episode, John. We talked about uh, my big uh, Nexus uh, or Ego Nexus power station that uh, gave me a little bit of power when the lights went out. We're going to talk motorcycle batteries now. And I find this this really interesting. I think, you know, more and more people are becoming familiar with electric vehicles and some of the advantages there, you know, for some folks. Uh, you know, if you live in the right areas, it's a lot cheaper to run them. Yep. If you can get your hands on one. <laughs> it's it's uh, the big issue. I, I drive an electric vehicle as as do you, and I just love the convenience of it. I don't have range anxiety. I, I feel I can get anywhere. Yep, same. Uh, but motorcycles, that's a different story. They obviously don't have as big batteries as cars. True, but they also don't need as big batteries. No. Uh, so, I mean, the range is getting better and better, but, you know, I, I remember that TV series with uh, you and McGregor and it Charlie Borman, uh, you know, they've done a few of them uh, where they they take their motorcycles and they travel around the world. I think their first one was... Long a, way around. Long way around. Long, long way, way down, down. Where they went from Europe through to Africa. And the last one they've done is the long way up. And yeah. they started off at the very bottom tip of South America and went all the way back up to it. I think it was... Palm Springs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, up in um, the United States. But they decided to use electric bikes like Harley Davidson's they they were like prototype bikes at yeah the time. that was the crazy part they were using prototype vehicles for this and they also used Rivian trucks as their support vehicles <laughs> I found that fascinating right because I mean the appeal of their their shows was just you know all the different places they went the cultures they encountered you know the troubles they had getting motorcycles through some of these these places but adding like electric bikes to that crazy and yeah. it was crazy, John, because they they actually had to uh, have charging stations built along the way through South America and Mexico so that they could actually make this trip because there just wasn't the infrastructure. Yeah, I think it was a deal with uh, Rivian that yeah. did a lot of that stuff. But I was laughing because I know how long it takes to charge electric vehicles. And it took forever. Like unless you have like a level three charger that's just like a fire hose of 
electricity. Yeah. Like in my in my Tesla, uh, if I go to a Tesla supercharger, which is level three, I can fill that thing up in half an hour or a little little bit more. But they had level two chargers for these motorcycles. And it took hours to charge them. Well, in some places, they didn't even have that. They had a level one they had to plug into like the hotel or the Airbnb or wherever they yeah, were Yeah, and level one's like a regular 110 Which outlet. takes forever. It, that would take all day. Yeah. And so the range on their motorcycles was horrendous. Where were they going, like 100 miles in a day? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. whereas obviously with a gas-powered bike, then you just have so much flexibility. You can go hundreds and hundreds of miles and just keep filling up. Yeah. Right, because it takes five minutes to fill up. Yeah. Uh, but now Honda is doing something interesting in Japan. They're set, setting up battery banks in areas where basically with the right type of electric motorcycle, and there's a few companies getting behind this, you can basically go and take from this power bank, obviously you got to pay, uh, a fully charged battery and put your old depleted battery in it. It's funny because this little battery st- swapping station this looks like something out of star wars rogue one or not rogue one uh solo yes it's the coaxium (laughs) the energy that they were stealing from oh yeah uh, yeah. from the empire yeah it does look like a star wars thing yeah like it totally looks like this big contain well actually kind of like a ghost containment system as well yeah (laughs) like your ego battery um but yeah it's a really cool idea and because the battery packs are significantly smaller than on a on a vehicle uh these ones just basically can be hot swapped yeah I, I find that brilliant. It's kind of like like the propane re- replacement systems that we have everywhere now. Yeah. So it's interesting because there's some companies, uh, and I think it was down in the US, they would try to do something similar with car batteries, like we on had, some Nissans. We had the CEO of that company on the show a couple of years ago. I just, I got to be honest, I thought, cool. Like basically you take your electric car and then go to one of these stations and they would just swap out a charged battery yeah. and take the uncharged battery. That just seemed like crazy to me. Well, you'd need a lot of those stations yeah. to be practical. I just don't know, how, like, how scalable is that? Like, for the size of a battery that a car needs. Like, yeah. the whole bottom of the Tesla is like a battery. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, the impression I got from that particular system was that it wasn't going to be a full-size battery. It was going to be a portion of the battery. Yeah. So you at least get enough to get to where you're going to do your thing. But again, how scalable is that? Yeah, Tesla originally, that was part of their thing, right? Yeah. You take it into a station and it would swap the battery out within a few minutes. But again, like John, all the moving parts involved with that, like it's just too much going on there. So it makes sense to me for motorcycles because these batteries like aren't as big. Like you can pull them out, you know, with the handle if you yeah. have a look at this thing online. And, and this is kind of similar to what we've seen with sort of the e-bikes and the e-scooters. Yeah. Some of those those things have res- like swappable batteries, which is really handy. Because then you can, the nice thing is you can take that battery into your house and charge it in your house, leave the vehicle outside yeah. or in your garage or whatever and not have to worry about that because they're so portable. Yeah, but, but you know, again, like these things, they take time to charge as well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, hours, literally. So, you know, if you can have these these banks of batteries in key areas in the city and the country and countryside, it just makes using a motorcycle practical, like an electric, sorry, electric motorcycle practical. What's crazy is they have apparently 2,300 of these swap stations. Already? Yeah. In Japan? Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure we're going to see 
that coming to North America. I think in Tokyo, I think they've mandated, I think it's by 2035 that all motorcycles and scooters in the city have to be electric. Yeah. So it's coming. Yeah, it's it's uh, inevitable. And, yeah, and obviously in Japan, they're well on their way there. So I'm, I'm excited to see if they can make that kind of stuff happen uh, over uh, in North America as well. So we'll just have to see over the next couple of years uh, how that all pans out. We are going to have to take a break here on Get Connected. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Great news for Amazon Prime members, which I'm one of them. And I think this is cool. Uh, so you get a lot of things with Amazon Prime. You get the, the video subscription. They've got a lot of great shows and movies. You get, obviously, the free shipping. I think there's free photo backup and storage. Uh, there's audio books available. They have Amazon Music as well. Uh, but you didn't get the full catalog. No, you had to pay for the unlimited version of that. Well, that's now free. Yeah, which is great because they have quite a lot of music there now. They they have over 100 million songs. <laughs> is there really that many songs? Well, I think there's lots of covers of uh, Happy Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love that. I think that uh, that's a great uh, start. Uh they still have a kind of an upper tier. I think it's uh, I think it's nine bucks US. I don't know what the Canadian price is offhand, but if you want like a higher fidelity with spatial audio, uh, it's a, a nine dollars additional monthly subscription. But I think for the vast majority of people, listening they, on Bluetooth headsets, yeah, they're not really going to get the full no full effect. So I think that is uh, so much value in in that, like just having that Prime subscription. I mean, we should point out Prime did go up in price. I just had mine renew a little while ago. and I How went, much is it now? It was like 115 bucks, I think. A year? A year. That's, John, that's less than 10 bucks a month. No, I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Well, I never like things going up in price, but... Who does? It's, it's a good value for what you get, though, because yeah. they just keep adding more stuff to it. I love it. Yeah. Want to give a shout out to all the folks that helped put the program together. Of course, John, uh, my co-host and producer, Robin, uh, back at the studio. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It's on Sundays across the Chorus Radio Network, uh, right after this show, Saturday nights in uh, Toronto. Great program uh, coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about Twitter. Crazy town there after Elon Musk has uh, taken over. So much to talk about. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the new iPad, the 10th generation, how, uh, how we feel about it, and uh, a lot more. We'll see you again next time.